This is a Culture Inject production. Welcome back to Part of Us. We have a lot to unpack in this episode, so we're going to jump right into it. But before we really get into it, you got to make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at InvoCraze and on Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. If you have ideas or interview requests, uh, comments, or questions, then you can email them to us at partofusevf at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, please, please, please rate and review our podcast okay this is all topic but i remember matea uh matea you you mentioned in the email about talking about our favorite groups or something like that Mm-hmm. so there's context to what we're saying because like if i'm saying i like i don't like something I want you to understand why I don't like something. And then I will understand like when JP says he doesn't like something, which seems like he doesn't like anything, but uh, I'm just kidding. I know you like it's like in Vogue related. I'm saying it seems like you love escape and SWV and all those other groups. Uh, but like when, you know, so I can kind of get a feel for you. Like, what are you listening to now? What did you listen to then? You know, so I kind of understand where you're going. Like when you like a music video, like this is in the vein of what you like. So we each record, like these are my favorite types of, these are, some of my non-EV favorite artists these are some of my non-favorite EV videos my non-favorite EV music directors da 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 like a segment but it's like separate so not all together we record it we send it in Matt edits it and then it's like you kind of get to know the person like spread them out so like episode 4 JP episode 7 champ maybe in the second season get to know Josh get to know Matan like that so you kind of understand our musical taste a little bit better and so when we're giving critiques they're like okay ooh like your like your five essential albums or something like that like, right because oh, I was trying cool. to and the, and like, to kind of give people an a, a inside look on like on our musical taste and stuff like that right and, and like our our point of view and, and how we critique and in, in the podcast oh that makes sense I like, like, that. like what is a 10 to jp as far as the album like what albums would they be and not in vogue really but like you know so i i know what you you know because i don't want people to just think we're being negative and critical like so if we're doing album cover like you know you know like you under explain a category and why you're rating something the way this that'll help i feel like and it'll help people get to know us a little bit more well, I would like to talk about Don's, uh, well, one, I would like to say that, um, Candy, I heard her show, Candy and the Gang or whatever, was canceled by Bravo, so, so sorry to hear about that. It also, was? Excuse me? I heard that that's what it is, you know, because when you're on reality TV, you can only do so much. Um, I ain't heard that. I ain't heard no official word yet. No. Well, we're waiting on that, but I... It was interesting. Did she have her um, aunts wearing vibrating panties like she did the ladies on Real Housewives of Atlanta? No. Why would she do that? I don't know. She just seems like, you know, I I don't I don't really hear in the news for her music. I just it's always something, you know, um sexual assault allegation. Let me stop. I'm just trying to mess with JP. I just mess with JP. Wait, what about Don? Um she in one of the episodes we talked about her being hacked well we didn't talk about her being hacked we didn't know she was hacked we talked about her scrubbing or i talked about her scrubbing her instagram but she was actually hacked so she's back at it still posting covid misinformation and you know just being you know her herself wait a minute i did see something about her being hacked so like what happened well i guess a, a rabbit fan just was like you know don 
You're oh, doing it all a, wrong. Let me she take got it a whole new page. <laughs> if no, you, she don't. If, I'm still blocked. I can't get. If no, you can follow the new one now, um, so What's she can block. Page? So she can block folks again. <laughs> um, so her old one was Dawn Robinson diva. Now she's official Dawn Robinson. Oh, let me see here. Look at you. Now you can follow your girl again. Oh, wait a minute now. Hey, girl. Are you able to follow her? Yes, I am. Yay! See, that's what's new and what is trending. Let me follow my girl. We're gonna we're gonna get it right this time. This lady didn't block me on my stage. Uh, her her bio says new page, new energy, high frequency, formerly of En Vogue and Lucy Pearl, currently solo. With the key, period, Joanne, let us know. No, oh, she looks good though. Best 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 wishes to Don Robinson. Oh wait, and champ, champ, we have to give it a first champ because he heard um, EV and EV placements on Ooh. what was it, the challenge? Oh yeah, so a, a cool little um, a little thing. I was watching um, the challenge All Stars on Paramount Plus, and they started playing "Give It Up, Turn It Loose," and I was like, oh my god, because one, that's not a song that I've heard be get a placement on anything. Uh, to my knowledge so I thought it was like a really cool song choice um, to for them to choose and it was it happened like while they were like in the competition you know doing what? something yeah that like, they were like, like it will fit it, it but it did okay. to me at least I thought to somebody was least, going through it. it like there was a love triangle or something oh no like they were like in, in the midst of the competition and like it was somebody in a confessional and, and then it was like a mood change and then the beat dropped and it was like ooh da, 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 da. I was hey. like ooh it moved. so that was really cool to see you know so so get your money Tommy and Denny get your money <laughs> why why I go to this page and you know this new Don Robinson page <laughs> and she she just has this subtle way. I just wish she would just let it go. Because she's like, she posted on May 24th a photo of her and uh, Terry and Cindy performing, ri- performing Riddle at the Berkshire Hotel in 2010. And she wrote, originals only, LOL. I just don't like the petty stuff. Like... I know we sound like a broken record here because every time we talk about Dawn, there's always an antic, there's always a something. But like, I really just want like peace, just peace. It's very much a like, oh, you can't sit with us type of thing, and that's why I that's that is my main gripe with Dawn. I feel like every chance she gets, she's always taking a dig at Rona. You know what I mean? And then you have these fans who like to continue. Oh, I want the originals back. The originals. Girl, they ain't been back for 15 years. So it's been two decades. Shut up. And 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 that stuff like that is I'm like originals only. Girl, you wasn't even in a group when the song came out. Stop it. <laughs> I mean you, Rona's you were the- you were the riddle, girl. You were the riddle. <laughs> Rona's on their nationwide tour and I mean when she starts singing, people give it up. So, I mean, originals only where is it in, you know, is it with roommates or in your mother's house? Or, but anyway, um, also, if we're talking about placements, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was just gonna say best wishes to Don Robinson. Best wishes, Don. And I hope your Instagram doesn't get hacked again. I hope you're able to keep this account. 
for as long Ooh, as Ooh, Matan, was it you? Did you hack our account? <laughs> it wasn't me. I would never do that. I would do that. No, it was, no, it was yo, JP after JP had the account so he can be able to follow this one. It's the fact that she changed her profile picture on it, on her old one to hacked. It's like, uh, I'm like, well, girl, if you was hacked and you got it I back, then why are you letting go of your 10,000 followers to go start over on the other page? Change your password. And the last thing, I just want to ask you guys, um, I know this is a transition, but did you guys see Ari Lennox? She has some kind of YSL ads for one of their lines and she's like dancing and singing to free your mind did you guys see that oh i did see that that was really cute yeah so in vogue is still you know their music is still making the rounds and i love eve saint laurent like that's one of my favorite labels so that's hot couture so go in vogue for sure relevance the relevance Relevance. so originals only But where though? I'm a Rolling Stone. But where? Because okay, it's not on anyway. tour. It's not on the it's on the placements. And it, and it won't. It won't. Original placements only. And it wasn't even on Riddle, which is the the shady part. She over here posted a photo of her singing Riddle with them girls, but she won't even on the record. Ooh. Originals where? But yeah, it's time to get into discussion time. This episode, we are going to be revisiting Invoke's 1994 vibe issue. Um. We can sort of tackle this a, a bunch of different kind of ways. And first up, we're going to talk about the photos. So the photos, the photos, Matthew Ralston, who we've talked about a lot, obviously, on this podcast, uh, was the photographer. Troy Jensen was the makeup artist and Danny Flynn was the stylist and they killed it. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with Matthew's working relationship with En Vogue, he directed the groups My Lovin', You're Never Gonna Get It, What a Man, Don't Let Go Love, and whatever music videos he also photographed the group on many 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 occasions including for vibe spin and cosmopolitan uh what do y'all think about these looks from this issue and what's your favorite i love the picture um with who is this terry um on cindy's stomach and maxine's behind cindy and don is on terry i just love that picture it looks very it gives it gives me friendship vibes (laughs) That's my favorite, too. I love that one, too, because it, it's kind of like feminine, but it's like, you know, I think Cindy looks kind of cool in like her baggy clothes with her pregnancy, you know, uh, body. And then um, I think that, yeah, Tarion and Platforms. Um, I actually I love the the picture with all four of them in the corner <laughs> with all the print. That's my favorite, too. I think they chose the wrong cover. That's the wrong. They chose the wrong photo for the cover. Be a mine. I think champ, you're the, the one where it's kind of like it's giving gravity because the magazines, um, they're on the floor. Magazine's head is, um, you know, laying separate from everyone else, and then that that's your favorite champ. Yes, they 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 mine look too. like uh, it reminds me of like Charmed. They look like a a, a, a coven of black witches, <laughs> and I and I love it. Like Dawn with that hat. The dark lip, Terry with I I love Terry with his curly hair. Like it's great, and that that little hands are like brown. It's so good. That's why I, that's definitely my favorite. And then of course Maxine looks freaking amazing in the solo shot with her leg up, baby. Yeah, what do y'all think about these sexy photos? These are some sexy photos. I'm a fan. I would have preferred like Matthew Rolston. I love his videos, but he's not. I don't even think he would rank as one of my favorite photographers. 
I would have liked, like, I like the high fashion one. And so, like, the one that me and Champ picked, it's kind of high fashion. The rest, I mean, it's showing their closeness as a group. I get that. But I just, like, like, Steven Mizell and Paolo Reversi, like, just more so high fashion. I would have preferred that. So, this is very, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I've never liked sexy too much. That's not my thing. So, I don't want to say exploitation and, you know, these, you know, I beauty standards of women. So, their breasts have to be all the way up. But I just, like, I don't know. I like whimsical. So, I'm... Mm. So, as part of the interview, um, Dawn actually explains what, uh, started the animosity between Luther and In Vogue. And she says, quote, it's pretty simple. Luther asked us to do the, Ar- to do Arsenio for the tour. And we said, no, we'd done too much TV and we thought we were getting overexposed. We apologized. We said we were sorry, but Luther wouldn't let it go. And it became his camp and our camp going at each other. That's such a outdated concept. Cause now it's like, you can never get too much exposure. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes you got to be willing to like, you know, compromise and play ball a little bit. I mean, you know, if you're joining him on his tour, he wants to go on to promote the tour so that the tour sells. You know, I can understand why he would feel a way you know, to, to do all the calling the police and, and being extra over the top, <laughs> like what he did. Like that's taking it, you know, way too far. But I mean, I think they could have they could have you know, compromise because I'm sure it probably came off to Luther as if, oh, y'all saying y'all too good to go on TV and I'm the only one who need to go on TV. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm sure, I'm sure Luther was like, oh, no, Miss Thing. <laughs> right. I was just going to say, we talked about like the Spice Girls in another episode and like that level of fame. Like, I can say they were overexposed in a certain extent because like there was merchandise and movies and just they were really everywhere in Vogue. I'm thinking about in Vogue and what was this, 1993? And like, where are the live performances of Give uh, Give It Up, Turn It Loose and Runaway Love? Like, there were none. So, what is the overexposure? Like, a few small projects that they, like, not small projects, but just like, what, what, where were you? Fun yeah. fact, though, fun fact, the Spice Girls did a duet with Luther Vandross. <laughs> like, there is a televised performance of them doing a cover of um, um, Ain't No Stopping Us Now. And then what? they released and then they released it as a B-side on one of their singles. Luther said, so, if like, I can't get one girl, girl, I'm getting another one. Even at the most overexposed, the Spice Girls were like, bring it on. We'll do another one. Let's do yeah. another thing. I mean, that's not about why didn't Luther? Why did Luther and Invoke like do a do a song together? Like, right, yes. you know, like who was on your team? Whoever, right. like whoever, anything about overexposed? Like I could see if it was 1992, but 93, like they never performed "Runaway Love" on. They never performed "What a Man." At that time, like we're invoke in, Vogue, in, in Vogue in 1993, overexposed. Like that, to me, that's bad management. Whoever got into their heads thinking people are singing too much, and we really weren't. We really weren't. Their team. And I think it, it kind of comes off like they felt like they were just bigger than Luther, and you know, I'm sure that created, you know, the tension. Yeah, because essentially Luther is was the bigger artist at the time, and. It's like, oh, well, we feel like we're overexposed. You feel like you're more exposed than I am, and I'm the headliner? You know, like, it, I, I can see... It, it definitely is a miscommunication, but I can see how Luther 
would take offense to that type of decision. Um, but of course, like I said, to keep it going, where where the two camps are like clashing constantly on a tour, that that definitely is super petty. Like it happened, let it go. But still a bad decision, in my opinion. Yeah, he called the police on us when we were in uh, Miami because he said we walked past his door to go to the stage and he wanted us to take a cart and have one of those golf carts take us around, drive us around to the to the front of the venue of the Coliseum. Right? Wow. With all the fans, mind you, <laughs> at the at the concession stands buying stuff. He wanted us to drive wow. all the way through, yeah, all the way through the hallway, go to the, the front of the building and walk down the steps, past all the fans. Hey guys, hey! <laughs> and walk to the stage. Wow. Do not pass my door. So you had you, he called the to police. Just... The police showed up. The police were like, oh my God, we thought you guys were like tearing the place apart. So what's going on? And we were like, uh, Luther does not want us to walk. And we took them in the hallway. This is his dressing room right there. This is our dressing room. That's the stage right there. Luther Randros wants us to literally leave our dressing room, drive all the way around the venue to the front of the house and walk down to the stage. And the stage wow. is right here. This is his, this is our dressing room. This is Luther Randros' dressing room. This is the stage. Wow. He doesn't want us to pass his dressing room to go to the stage. That's crazy. He wants us to drive all the way around the venue and walk to the stage. But then they still did the episode anyway, though, right? Because what episode they were on that one? Like, we've seen it. Haven't we all seen that inter that um, episode where they're on Arsenio and mm -hmm. they start singing when the cake comes out and then, like, they're <laughs> they're shooting darts at each other, um, their eyes. Like, mm -hmm. it's like they don't go over and, like, you know. So they ended up doing it anyway and it was still beef. There's an episode. Go, go on YouTube. There's, like, um video of them on Arsenio and they're like, we wish you a happy anniversary. But like they and never Luther was there. Luther was there. <laughs> Luther was there looking mad. So was that the same episode or was it a different episode? Like so many things in their career to me are just like, why didn't you do this? Like, can you imagine a Luther Vandross and Vogue duet? Like when Mariah and Luther did it, that they didn't end this love go to like number one or number two. Like, well, was it not one of her number one? So must have went to number two. Such a missed um, opportunity for sure. So Dawn also goes on to explain, um, and I quote, we'd also signed a contract knowing that the band was supposed to be on stage, but it was a rotating stage and the band was blocking the views. We were getting bad write-ups. We told Luther and he could have said, it's not your fault, let's get it right. The vibe we got was the total opposite. I mean, they did say back, they were back when reviews <laughs> mattered. You know? and, and they, they, they did say they were overexposed. So it's like I'm helping you out. The band is covering you, so you want, you don't want to be overexposed. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what Luther said too. I don't want y'all to be overexposed, girls. Right. So you let the band cover you ever so often. L I look. Luther was a diva, so this doesn't surprise me. You tell him no once. This is what a diva does. I mean, like, it's just... It's, what's the name? Arrested Development. They spoke so highly about In Vogue and about how In Vogue 
really made room for them on stage. And then in Vogue always talks very highly about their experience with Hammer and how he was like, oh, these speakers aren't good. Let me get you some new speakers. So Luther, I just, I don't like, I don't like the pettiness. I don't think I'm necessarily a petty person. I know I can be uh, defensive and things like that, but just to be in that position you're in and be Luther freaking Vandross, this R&B legend. And maybe that's why, you know, in a lot of conversations, you know, he's missing because I feel like Prince, I know he's not up there with Micah, but like Prince, Janet, like he sold a lot of records, but he's not in that conversation. And it might be because of that bad attitude and negative energy. Cause it's not just in Vogue, it's Anita. I remember I watched Elder Barge unsung and like, he didn't like how much applause that they were getting. He got into it with Aretha, even though I know, you know, they made peace cause she was at his funeral, but it's like compromise and just give a good show. So if they're complaining, you want to have the best show. Someone to me, that's kind of comes across as insecurity to me when somebody's like, oh, you know, we could do this to make the show better. And you could just compromise and say, saying, well, you did this. So I don't like I that. Think, I think a lot of Luther comes from him being a repressed gay man. And a lot of those, um, you know, like when you're unhappy with yourself and you're not living in your truth and you see these fabulous women who are just draped and sequin and extensions and makeup and they are just living the fantasy and you want to live your fantasy but you can't so you got to sit up here and pretend like you want to sing to ladies knowing (laughs) you want to sing (laughs) knowing that you want to sing you know to your man your living lover so i think that had a lot to do with it it's like it's, it's like repressed you know anger um like for real like i'm being so serious and i i think when you're living or you're not living your truth and you're un- you're essentially unhappy with yourself. And when you're unhappy with yourself, you take it out on any and everyone. And I think that was just the case with Luther Vandross, unfortunately. And can you imagine, like, like I would, I think Dawn and I believe the other ladies confirmed <laughs> when, when they said that, um, they can't wear sequins on tour. And he said, I'm a girl group too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is how he put it. He said it in the in, in the meeting that we had. He said, I was sitting by Terry and she was digging her fingers into my leg. Because <laughs> she was like, <laughs> did he just say that he's a girl group? Yeah. He said, I am a girl group. I am a girl group. Oh, wow. one in my book. Yeah. He said he's a girl group. And so what he meant was, I have these girls that are here with me, Ava and and um, and Lisa, they are the ones that I want dancing around on stage with sequins hitting their dresses. I want them to catch the light. I don't want to, you know what I mean? That's why you guys signed that contract. I mean, Luther was like, I'm not having you hoes come up in here and outdo me. I am a girl group. We're going to be draped in sequins, not you. The thing is, Luther, his background singers, like Lisa Fisher, the the legend herself, like his background singers were very much a part of his show. And he really and he really gave them gave them moments to shine. I mean, Lisa Fisher won a Grammy and then still still not a girl group. No, but but that but that's how it was presented. Like like his background singers, like it was like they were a group together because yeah. he he styled their outfits they all you and, and and that's the reason why he said they couldn't wear those colors because he was like I want my two women to be the stars the the, the leading ladies of my of this tour so it was like he yeah. it, 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 if you watch some of the clips like 
it's as if they're a group because they're standing with him. They're Why can it be Tony Orlando and Don and not I'm um, Diana Ross? <laughs> is what I'm, you know. Because he would, it would be Luther. It would be the two chicks, and he also had a male, a male singer as well. And they would like they had choreography. Yes. And Luther would be snapping that little thing. Yeah, like it was I a was show. like, wait, y'all thought y'all thought Luther was straight? Like, yeah, <laughs> it was a show. I really and I really felt like he was dressing the women in like in ways. I'm like, if I was a woman, I would wear this. You know what I mean? I mean, the gowns were extra, like the so much extravagance. extravagant, but. But still, I mean, if, if if Vogue wanted to be in little, you know, little, sh- you know, coochie dresses, I mean, it wouldn't have took away from what Luther was given, like at all. If those because dresses like, look very matronly that I saw that his um back like I wouldn't want to see in Vogue in concert wearing you know those all those sequins and stuff like I would have liked to have seen them in something a little bit more funky but that's me but to go off what you're saying I just want to before we forget um did you hear that story Don told about like her going to like she said they got bad writers for their costumes so they went to some kind of mall in Houston that had like Dolce & Gabbana mm-hmm. and all these designers and she was like um you know ooh there's these sexy I think like thigh high boots or something like that and she was like Luther Solomon was like, "Ooh, let me get a pair." <laughs> and I'm not gonna count Luther. So we got a, a loan from the record company because we're not gonna be on the road and, and be talked about. We are in vogue, and we are gonna get up here and look our best. Okay, so they came back with these boots. The boots were thigh high, so they were like I can't show you, but they were up to my thigh. They were like, mm-hmm. Dawn, "You're the only one that can wear these." <laughs> and we, we bought you this leather kind of a mesh leather mesh uh kind of over like a what they call a duster so it was down to my ankles but it was see-through so it was like a um a pattern of leather and mm-hmm. they were like they braided them all together but you can see inside of it you can see okay through. yeah and they were like dawn you have to put on some hot pants because <laughs> we got to get our sex sex appeal back and only right. you can do that i was like you guys <laughs> but the boots were Versace and they had all these buckles in the front all the way up the boot, all the way up to the thigh. Gorgeous. Wow. They said that Luther Vandross walked in the store and got a pair of those for himself. He was asking them if they wore if they made them in his size. But they were women's boots. So that I'm just I'm not putting them out on Front Street. I, I mean, I love Luther Vandross. I think he's like one of the premier male vocalists. So like um, any listeners out there, I'm not trying to clown Luther. I'm just, we're trying to give you context because a lot of you people, you don't get the context of what all that is. And like what JP is saying, there's a lot of issues there. And that's why I think if anything, like I'm not so keen on a biopic, but if there's like just like a mini series on that tour, because there's so many different <laughs> like layers. Feud. like. Right, feud, feud, uh, banjos versus in vogue, which probably his if he has an estate, they'll never green light. But like seeing like what it was to be a gay black, gay black male R&B singer in like the 90s, like all this little Nas X and all this stuff, like that didn't exist back then. So his backstory, their backstory is being for a black woman, you know, the music industry is just doing them wrong and they're having to tour according to Don because the money's not there. Like I would love to see this, but like it's a lot of trauma that we're discussing with Luther, I feel like. And he's probably, like I said, I'm very defensive. He's probably very defensive too. And so defensive to the point where it's like, you know, he's going to go on the offensive before you even do anything. Like he's ready with the venom. And I kind of, I know what I'm laughing, but I do feel, I feel bad for him. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's really why Luther isn't a part of certain conversations right now, because 
he died so early that like when a lot of the legends are getting their flowers and they're going on tour and they're accepting awards and stuff, it's, you know, they're in their 50s and 60s and Luther died. I, was he quite, I think he was barely 50. Like he died pretty And he died young. in 2005. I remember I wrote an article about it for this news magazine, but I mean, like really like if he, he was 54 when he passed wow. and like, so yeah, I mean, that's, that is so young. When you think about our legends like Patti LaBelle, who's in her late 70s now, and, and you know, you think about the people that he came in with that are getting their flowers now, um, you know, they're alive to kind of be there and to still sing and to reap the reap the benefits of that longevity. And he died at 54, you know, before he had a stroke, he was still in great voice. He was still putting out music on a major label. So, like, he died really at a peak in his career. Dance with my father was huge, even before he passed. And, you know, that's when he died. So, and it's unfortunate. Still, and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, unfortunately, I just think he's missing out on being a part of certain conversations. Like, when Prince died... A few years back, like he was, you know, legendary, like he had been around to, you know, kind of be alive during the time where people are revering him. And I, I do hate that Luther kind of missed that. And then I feel and like you die- can't even. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say and to die at 54 years old and not living your truth is also just heartbreaking but go ahead and yeah because I'm, I'm i'm sorry i keep wanting to piggyback off of you but i'm not even letting you finish so i apologize but to piggyback off that it's like you can't really fully talk about him because it's like his sexuality is still a point of contention where you have his fan base who's older and it's like i don't want to hear about luther being a homosexual so when patty went on andy cohen and he kind yeah. of like i don't know if he tricked her or she just you know she sees nothing wrong with it because like she's always been an ally and you know with the gay community but when it kind of she slipped it up people were still upset like patty shouldn't be talking about that right so they'll never be a biopic they'll never really be an in-depth documentary they'll never probably be you know an in-depth book because it's like well we can't talk about this and that's so much of the man and that's sad so like when we're laughing and stuff and gagging you know we're still gonna gag luther because we can but it's not coming from a place of you know maliciousness or hate it's just we understand we understand where he's coming from but we still gonna gag luther yeah. you can't be messing with our girls luther up in heaven <laughs> yes i relate to luther in a lot of ways like with his mother and stuff like uh that is a whole other podcast but god bless luther God bless I don't know. You, I think this episode really turned into um, feud in Vogue versus Luther Vandross. <laughs> <laughs> they should make a, like a limited series off of that. It will be HBO Max or one of those. It's Netflix, Hulu, like get on that. Like that, yeah. people you know, would love that. have to go to TV one. Or even <laughs> like, it didn't even have to be like a whole series. I could see them doing like a like a, a season where every episode is a different few, like a small few, like mini feuds. Cause mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, the ones that they've done so far have been, well, they just did the Betty versus Joan. That was like long decades of history kind of hating each other. But like, it could be interesting to see them do that. And I, I don't think you need these days. You don't need, um, you don't need the permission from the estate. In a lot mm-hmm. of these cases, because you have people who are now taking articles and using articles as the basis for mm-hmm. like, think about like the Pam and Tommy. They did a Hulu show called Pam and Tommy. Yep. They based it off of a New York Times article or like a Vulture article or something mm. like that. <clears throat> so like you just need a piece of like a publication of some sort 
it seems to like sort of make uh, a show off of. So I can see it. That could be so fun. So Don, I know you're not giving us a book. So write a little article and try to sell it to somebody <laughs> so you can, you know, maybe get your own apartment. You can take my idea. Feud, Van Jones versus Invoke. Take our idea. We just want you to, you know, get it produced. Take it somewhere, Don. So another interesting quote from the article is this. We were created with someone else's dream in mind. We were forced into a situation and we made it work. A reminder that none of the members really knew each other before joining in Vogue, which makes their chemistry and blend all the more impressive. That quote just seems to come out of nowhere. Have they ever said it that way? Like, I mean, oftentimes they're very sort of what's the word reverential or like thankful and grateful to like the process that landed them where they landed. But like, this is the first time it feels a little bit like tinged with a little, like we were forced into a situation and we made it work is a very like pointed way of saying that. So I just, I don't know if maybe at the time they were feeling some kind of way about something, but it is interesting that they said it. Like, I'm not sure which member said this um, specifically, but, (laughs) but like, it's interesting that they said it that way. I I agree with that. One, because it's not, I mean, the vision of a a girl group is someone else's, but the dream of being a singer, that's your dream. So uh, you're still living your dream. It's just in a different way. Also, you were enforced into a situation. You auditioned, baby. Um, So... You know, I don't I don't know who made that comment, but it, I mean, but this is a lot of girl groups. Um, um, this is how a lot of girl groups describe their situation when they audition or when they're like chosen and put into a group. Danny Kane has said it, you know, um, Desi's chat. Well, not Desi's chat. They were grouped together. But like, you know, when Michelle and Farrah came into the group, like, you know, like a lot of girls just like, oh, well, we were kind of like. We didn't know each other. We were put into a situation. It's like, yeah, well, that's kind of how most jobs work. You know, I don't know my coworkers, but we find a common ground to make the day. <laughs> so that's just how that's just how I, jobs work. I wish we thought about that more that way, because I think we sometimes like romanticize these like groups as like they're supposed to be sisters and friends and lifelong kumbaya hand holding whatever and sometimes it works out that way but it's also a job like it's a business and so like you just show up and do what you're supposed to do like that's okay too exactly (laughs) like it's like you don't have to be BFFs like you can you actually can have a a great working relationship like I, I I think we all have had jobs where we have like our, our work bestie, our work husband, our work wife, where it's like, you know, when we're at work, like, you're my road dog. When I go home, like, I'm not calling you. I'm not hanging out with you. So it's like, yeah, let's do this out. Let's do this tour. We had a great time. And then when, when it's over, I'm going to go on my break, go see my family. I'll see you in nine months. You know what right, I mean? Right. So, you know, not not to like, you know, knock the person who made this comment. But, you know, I just, it's just, I, I guess it, because it's the industry, because it's a glamorized industry, it it's it's like a reoccurring thing where people make this comment, and it's like, no, you are working a job. You don't have to be besties. Just make it work, and and you'll create some great things. You know. But so I'll be the devil's advocate and say there are two albums in here. They're on a hiatus now. I know you two, the two babies of the group, Champ and Joshua. You guys are Spice Girls fans. Now the Spice Girls, from what I understand, I mean, like I. 
from what I understand, they same met process. at an audition, same process, but like immediately, right away, I know there was like a different one, and then I forget which one came in, maybe it was Jerry, but immediately they were like, no, this is our group, we don't agree with management, we want to do it this way, you're not getting to know, we want to dress this way, we're going to write our songs. So they took ownership of their group. With TLC, it was kind of like the same thing, like um, I think it was Crystal's group. Well, maybe they did. Maybe it's a little bit different, but definitely Spice Girls. So at this point in their career, I feel like In Vogue is still someone else's vision. And maybe whoever said that, which I think is Don, is like, okay, when does it become our group? Because I feel like In Vogue has never been the members group even now. It's really still not. It's still someone else's vision. So at what point, and I'll just, you know, I'll just throw this out there. At what point does it become it, your group? It can't, it, well, it can be. It can't. It can't be rude because it's it's some it's someone else's vision. With the Spice Girls, like when they met on an audition, like they literally like created their entire brand themselves. So they pitched this idea to the label, and and it's like we're the Spice Girls. We all kind of embody different personalities of girls. Our theme, our our uh, message is girl power. We write our music is still, you know what I mean? It's like they kind of have this vision and, and it, it already fit their aesthetic. But when in Vogue, you know, it's like, well, this is a product. This, we're a product of a production deal. So Tommy and Denny, like they're, they're. And then they did it again. The Spice Girls did it twice because they sacked their manager, Simon Fuller, mm-hmm. like three, four, the most powerful man in their career. Yes. And they were like, this ain't working no more. We like, so I hear that. Where Where is that energy yeah, you know, maybe it's yeah, different in Europe. Maybe it's different in Europe. But I feel like it's specifically an invoke thing, which will be my probably point of contention as we go out all of this way. It's like, when do you say this is about us? It's not about anybody else. I feel like everything they do is centered around certain people. Like they'll always have this team, even when it's not working. So I could feel the frustration of the person who's like, well, when do, does it get to be my vision? Like if I want to work with this person, but I can't because the other three always want to stick with the same people. I mean, like you, you said, the Spice Girls did it twice. Like, and they did at the very beginning of the career when they don't have a pot to piss in, they're probably, you know, scraping together pennies. And then in Vogue has two successful records and it's still like, okay, it's, you know, we have to, I don't know. I'm just, no, I, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but that was Dawn's, uh, entire, that was, <laughs> ew, hold on. Am I about to defend Dawn on this podcast? I cannot. Literally, that's what Dawn was trying to say. But because she was the oddball out, she didn't have no power. The Spice Girls were five women. The Spice Girls, they were five women who were on the same page and they stood their ground. Even when you talk about, um, who was I? Who did I have in mind? Um, even when you talk about the show Girlfriends, um, where they, where they, all four had a meeting about uh, pay and, and etc. And they were going to go to the producer and the network together. But then when mm-hmm. they had a meeting, Tone, uh, Jimmy Jones, she said that she was left out by herself. And it was as if like um, she was just on her own. And then she ended up leaving the show. But it's kind of like if all four main characters of this show say, this is what we want. The network will have the network is going to oblige because they are the show. If it's just one person, we can get rid of you. 
You know what I mean? Because that's how the industry yeah. works. So, but, but I do. But at the end of the day, this is what Dawn was trying to do. But the girls would not get on her page. And what happened? She was ostracized. Um, here's the here's the thing with the group. It does not work if everyone is not on the same page. I mean, you can even go back to Salt and Pepper. And they have talked about this when, you know, Salt was sleeping with um, yep. the manager. Um, Harvey Lovebuck, he was the producer. Yeah, the producer. Like, you know, like, whenever that happens, you... I mean, polo, polo talk is a serious thing. Like, you know, some, the person you sleeping with and laying down with at night, you gonna automatically kind of roll with that person. It's just kind of... That's life. That's what it is. And so, whenever... You know, you're you're doing something that's outside of the best interest of everyone in your group. There's always going to be an imbalance, and um, I think in Vogue is just a product of that, and we see where we are. So, <laughs> okay, so so getting back to Luther versus in Vogue, uh, Shep Gordon, who managed Luther, gives his take on why in Vogue left the Never Let Me Go tour. Uh, there are lots of ways you can uh, subterfuge anything. You can make up anything you want. They allowed the tour to be advertised in places like London, and only then did they send us a doctor's note that she was too far pregnant to continue. She knew she was pregnant when she started. It's unfortunate that she didn't tell us. Besides, says Gordon, if it was all so unbearable, why were they there? That's protected information now. See, that's why, I mean, see, I'm, let me, this episode, I'm putting myself on mute. This is triggering me. <laughs> but I mean, if you, if you are agreeing to go on tour for X number of months and you know you are, you have a condition that may prevent you from finishing it, maybe legally you're not contracted, maybe legally you're not obligated to say certain things. But I guess the point he's trying to make is if you knew that when it came time to do those international dates, there would be a chance that maybe you wouldn't feel up to it. I guess he's saying that it would have been nice to know that, you know, that's the case. Yeah. As, as Luther's manager, as Luther's manager in this moment, he's speaking from his management perspective of, okay, now what do I do? You know? So, I mean, I get it. Um, yeah. But, but on the, on the, on the flip side, if Luther would have been nicer, you know, I'm sure that, you know, it probably would have made the situation more bearable and it, they probably could have finished the tour. So. Hmm. More than one critic has observed that after you've heard their hits, what you're sometimes left with at an Invoke concert is dead air. The heated, swooning sensuality of their videos cools on stage. It gets stilted and corny and becomes, of all things, prim. So, gentlemen, have you attended any of Invoke's earlier concerts? Did it feel boring to you? I can say that I haven't seen them in their heyday. I did not see Invoke in their heyday, so I cannot comment on that I haven't either but I have, I feel I don't know that's a weird but critique. I think that's some bullshit because when I see those YouTube videos back in the heyday they were like the energy was, was there the energy was there but I wondered like how did they really tour though I mean I guess they I I don't think Invoke ever toured like a headlining tour they did the with, Funky Divas tour Arrested Development opened R. Kelly opened some dates oh yeah, I don't remember that. Well, you know, I was, I was. You have to remember because um, you love Give It Up, Turn It Loose. You never seen that performance of them. I think they have like the leopard print or cheetah print bustiers and the black shorts, and they're doing Give It Up, Turn It Loose. That's like one of the. Yeah, two. I've, 
That's oh, from yeah, the Funky I've seen, Divas I've tour. seen the performance. I've seen that on YouTube. Yeah, yeah that's from the Funky Divas tour. So, uh, what I will say regarding that is... But how big was that tour? Like, was it like a big... Because when I, when I look back at all the articles and, and things, it doesn't seem like that tour was massive. Like, when I think about like a Janet Jackson world tour or like a... You know, um, who else toured a lot? Michael Jackson, TLC, like, well, was that tour, was that a big <laughs> tour or was it just kind of like a little, you know, 10 cities type of thing? No, I think it, w- it was a national tour. I know in Los Angeles, they played the Universal Amphitheater, which I don't know if that still exists anymore, which is not necessarily a stadium. I think it might be a larger size theater. Well, I'm trying to answer your question and you're walking away from me, but I'll just keep going. I think they play Radio City Music Hall uh, in New York City, which is large. So they did, you know, a lot of venues. It was a national tour. Arrested Development opened, if you remember, Arrested Development, Tennessee. Like they were pretty big around 92. And, you know, I know he's um, a a figure of disdain and scorn, and rightfully so now, but R. Kelly did some dates with them both, too. So the Vonky Diva story, you know, I think Destiny's Child went and saw in Vogue on that tour. There's that picture of Beyonce with Matthew and Solange and in Vogue. That's from Funky Diva Story. Um, you know, so there's pictures of celebrities seeing them backstage. So it wasn't, you know, some kind of Ricky Dick thing. And then Hammer, I know they were just opening, but that was a huge tour. Like when people talk about their first concerts, like Gen Z, like most of it is Hammer and Vogue, Vanilla Ice at that tour. So they, you know, but the big one, their big headlining tour was Funky Divas, JP. I guess from but I just I guess for me, if any uh, if any of their live performances is like a a small inkling of what they would give on a tour, it seems pretty entertaining to me. You know, like their performance on the Apollo. You know, their performance of free your mind with the dance moves, you know, like I'm just kind of like, uh, I'm, you, you know, their, their medley, uh, of all those old school songs on the Soul Train Awards, you know, their Grammy performances. I'm like, no, Invo gave you a show. I'm pretty sure that they did. Hey, I think people didn't know how to take in Vogue because they're like these beautiful women, but they're R&B singers. So maybe they wanted something more in the vein of like Madonna, who was very theatrical and doing like a whole bunch of acts on stage. And maybe that's what that went. I don't know what. The- and because in Vogue was like the is like the pioneers of the modern girl group. So I, I mm-hmm. feel like what they were doing now, well, well, well now. after the era, after, you know, when the era of girl groups like came about. Like everybody was stealing their their foundation, so I'm like, oh right. yeah, I'm like, okay, they were pretty much the blueprint. They're like the guinea pigs. So I feel like the industry was still trying to um, accept this this take on girl groups. You know what I mean? It's like Are you like that famous Destiny Child cater to you. Like that's in Vogue giving them something he can feel yeah, at the Luther Vandross it, show, exactly. but a little bit more prurient with the dad and the audience, and you're giving lap dances. But anyway. Well, another quote from the article um, is one of the ladies saying, I love to, oh, it's actually Cindy Heron saying this. And she says, I love to take In Vogue to another place, but it takes money, says Heron. When we played Radio City Music Hall, we had everything scripted and choreographed. 
so we never get caught knowing, not knowing what we, what to do. Now I like to get away from all that. I like to be freer in the show. But the truth is, we don't have the funds yet to pull that vision off. What do you think of this? Is that something you'd like to see from the group? I mean, she's right. I mean, I think we're still seeing a version of that scripted sort of like, you know, they are very, they've always been fine tuned. I, I always wish that they would just sort of like, that's why I think like an acoustic or like live unplugged where they're yes. not down to choreography and they can rearrange and play around with things in a different kind of way. I always think that that would be so much fun for them because I don't know that for them individually as people, they've ever had the freedom to do that with their own music, let alone with like other people's music. Right. So that could be fun. Right. I agree. I mean, I, and I, it seems as if, you know, this this statement has haunted them the rest of their career because this has kind of been like the, the, the boogeyman under the bed where it's like, you know, the, the lack of funds, the lack of, you know, budget, you know, keeps them kind of pigeonholed in certain areas. You know, the girls make do. They always have. They always have. So I understand that. And, you know, a lot of, you know, that, that is the, the, that is the issue with a lot of like older R&B acts, you know, they're not in their prime anymore. So, you know, they have to kind of stick to touring spot dates to kind of keep that, that career alive. And, and they don't have a, a label giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. It's coming out of their pocket or they have like a small, budget from whatever independent label they're signed to. So I get it, you know, like, and I, like I said, I'm glad that they're in the stadium tour now and kind of getting that type of treatment. So in such a, uh, in such a, you know, sorry, in an arena, um, but they're getting that in in such a latter part of their uh, careers, which I think is really cool because it doesn't, it doesn't happen to everybody. It doesn't. Except Tony Braxton. But yeah. <laughs> um, the monster, call it Frank in Vogue, was birthed in 1990 with their first hit single, Hold On. Back then, they were consumed as generic black Barbies in tight, uh, sexy evening ensembles that made it very clear they were ladies, not hoes. At first, we were going to, this is a quote from Dawn, at first, we were going to look like an old type girl group. Then Danny Flynn got involved and we took it to another place. At first, they were like, and this is a quote from Danny Flynn, at first, they were like just basic black glamour. So I had sketches done and presented them with the sketches and that was it, sketches featured the women in sort of high style couture inspired getups that were soon to make uh, major incursions or on mass culture through video fashion shows like house of style. So are you all happy with the direction that they went with Danny or did you prefer the quote basic black glamour that we got during the born to sing era? But besides the album cover, I love that the fashion era of born to sing. They look great in all their videos. I thought it was great. I like variety, so I like progression. I like a mix. So, like, I don't mind jeans, but I don't want to see jeans for two years, if that makes any sense. So I, I like how they can jump from look to look, which I think they, they've they done. Um, so it's, like I said, it's a mix. So I'm happy with what he did, but I don't d- dislike what they did before. But I love how he did take them to the next level. He did do that. I'll give him that. Go, Danny. Go, Danny. 
Well, when Maxine Jones auditioned for Invoke, the producers told her you may never get a chance to sing lead, something she found discouraging since she'd always wanted to be a soloist or a famous singer so I could sing 24 hours a day nonstop, she said. The glamour thing is very weird, she says Jones, an emphatically down-to-earth woman. She's the Invoke member most transformed on video. She's shy deliberative and aloof enough that it's hard to imagine how the other members would come to refer to her as the mother or the anchor of the group. Men always expect me to be taller and skinnier and they expect my boobs to be out. Quote unquote from Maxine Jones. (laughs) That's crazy that they, that they said she wouldn't get a chance to sing lead or at least soften the blow of the possibility that she wouldn't because <laughs> she sing lead on some of their most iconic songs. <laughs> you know? Um, and her- but in context, like, groups didn't have a lot of singers, so why would that... To me, that's standard. Yeah. I mean, but I guess if you if you come from a... a for a lot of girl groups, at least, it, at least from what I kind of see is that they have their lead singer... And then you hire girls who can sing, can hold a note, can kind of give you the harmonies to kind of hold, do the backing vocals, but also have a look and the style, but you have one lead singer. But for all four of them to be lead singers, you know, that's kind of unheard of. And then for, for, for Maxine to be coming from like having her own band and being super popular in the Bay Area to, you know, let all that go to be like, a background doo-wop, shoo-wop pop, you know, that, that, that is kind of interesting because her voice is so dynamic. It's so distinct. It's like, why wouldn't this woman be a lead singer? Because she has that type of voice. So it is kind of interesting, you know, I'm glad that it didn't go that way. No intention on being in a group situation, but I had, I was so desperate singing in the Bay Area and going through musicians and and doing hair and I, I something had to give so I figured I figured at the at the time that it came up it sounded great okay a girl group I'll take it I'll take care. it anything but I can I, I can kind of understand like them trying to soften the blow be like hey just so you know you may not be singing lead a lot <laughs> but we love well, this you here <laughs> This really makes me want to talk to Maxine because I just want to understand, like, what was her journey like in this group? Because it seems like from the beginning, they like it seems like they made her feel less than or they made her feel like she was a bit inferior. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like it's saying like, well, you'll never get a chance to sing lead. So do you think she doesn't sing as good as the other ladies or do you think she doesn't look good enough to be out front like what is it that would make you say that this woman who's been singing you know who's a singer who really sings like what would make you say she may not sing lead versus the other ladies you know like uh to your point champ uh, most of the other girls like if you listen to swv for example there's a clear difference between how coco sings and the way lily and taj sing like it is they're not on the same level at all so it would make sense to say, oh, a Coco girl, you're going to sing Lee, right? Or if you look at, you know, uh, the Supremes or, um, you know, a lot of other girl groups, um, uh, the emotions, um, you know, there's a clear distinction 
between the person who's singing lead and the other girls, there's a maybe a more aggressiveness in the voice or, you know, a kind of um, a attitude or, you know, whatever. There's a clear reason why one person is, you know, singing lead versus the others. But they were all four women who all sang very well. So I, I just I want to know, like, what made them say that she would not be the one who would ever get a chance to sing lead? And how did that make her feel? You know, like, how did that, how did that impact her psyche in this group? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're the one out of four girls who's been told, girl, you're not going to sing lead, like, that would mess me up in the head. You know, I would be like, well, what's wrong with me? Or, I mean, she did say she found it discouraging, but to even go even deeper, I would love, I would love to know, like, what conversations the producers have with each girl individually to kind of let like so this is what we see for you for in vogue in the beginning mm-hmm. stages of course you know I'm like well, I wonder what you know because obviously I, even though in vogue was their vision this quote lets you know that the vision was obviously always evolving you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so what was the vision for the group in the beginning? Because one, it was supposed to be a trio. Terry was not supposed to be part of it, but then she was so amazing. They made it a force. So I'm like, well, I wonder what those individual conversations were, you know, about the girls. Like, this is going to be your persona or this is your role in the group. And and then at what point did it evolve? At what point were you like, you know, let's just do it this way, you know? But that I guess that would be a question for Tommy and Denny, you know, maybe maybe one day we can we can pick their brains to kind of get the inside scoop on how it, it all works. Um, Let's keep our fingers crossed for that interview. And one of the last quotes, um, in a cl- it says, in a closed cropped wig, Maxine Jones looks outrageously sexy and chic. Obviously, we all have our opinions. Uh, this is her. This is her. Her saying, "We all have our opinions, and we all have a say about how we look." She told me earlier, explaining that Ellis won't wear low cut dresses. Because she doesn't want to say she she doesn't want to seem prudish. Um, Ellis said, "I'll wear a bustier. All I ask is make the bra my size and not three sizes larger. I like my small breasts." <laughs> hey, and that Heron won't put on trampy clothes. And and Heron says, "I don't believe anybody should be constricted, but women going without a shirt—that's to a point of vulgarity." And how Robinson hates anything that makes her seem too old my girl period <laughs> period period i mean you know your body let them know <laughs> in vogue unhappy with their vibe write-up wrote to them complaining about their issue which vibe went on to publish in a future issue have you read it i don't remember i i know but i think it's so interesting because again one thing about in vogue is they are always very conscious about you know, kind of what they put out there, especially today, they're very, you know, um, it's just, it's very old school PR. We like things to be a certain way. Like it it gives very much like, I don't want the real to be out there. And this, this article seems very real. Like I, I don't remember reading this, but I enjoyed it because it seems very honest. And the fact that they, had an issue with it is just very telling of kind of the era that they came up in and 
kind of wanting to control the narrative and wanting to kind of control um, how they're seen. Because to me, this is very honest, it's very real. And I appreciated this article more so than any other article. And they didn't say anything bad in this article. I don't think that anything that they've said in this article is like really like, like, oh my God, they said that. Besides, you know, the the comment about like, you know, um, being making being it work, situation. making it work. Yeah. Besides yeah. that, I could I could see that can be kind of interpreted in a negative way. I like this, you know, because even now, like we audiences and fans, we connect with artists, you know, who are being done wrong, who are taken advantage of, you know, where they're in bad contract deals. Like we we're invested, and we want to see you win outside of that. So I'm like, this this article is pretty. Uh, it's pretty tame in my opinion versus like how other people have interviewed like Bobby, like a Bobby Brown or Whitney Houston, you know. Uh, did you see, <laughs> did you read it, uh, Josh? Because none, it seemed, okay, because I'm going, I, I remember, but do you remember Josh what they wrote? No, I don't remember. Do you? Yes. So they didn't mind the picture. They thought it showed them as a close knit group. They didn't mind them talking about Luther because it was an experience, but they were flagrant misquote. They complained about flagrant misquotes in regards to Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, and Nana Cherry. And this is off the dome. So I'm trying to remember. I don't remember what they said. Okay. I think Don said something about Nana Cherry, allegedly, according to the article, like, I like her music, but she needs to get it together. Something along those lines. Who is Nana um, Cherry? Buffalo stands. We do the, we do it every time Hi. we dance. So don't you get fresh with me. And her brother's eagle eyed cherry saved the night. But anyway, okay, so that's the Nana Cherry quote. Then I think the quote about Janet Jackson was like Cindy saying something like, um, you know, I don't want to listen to the the same Janet Jackson song a thousand times. It makes me want to jump out a window, something like that. Maybe I'm adding dramatizing, but it's basically they play Janet Jackson too much. And then there was, um, I think the Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston quote, I feel like, who who said it? It was somebody basically saying, like, these artists are cookie cutter. Like, the old school divas like Patty, Gladys, Aretha, they will basically slit their wrists for you on stage. So, basically, you know, like, Mariah and Whitney don't have the same amount of soul. So, their letter was like, you know, we call Whitney, Mariah, and Janet personally to apologize. So, that's basically what it was about. So, in the article, there's going to be quotes, and they're saying that those were misquotes, flagrant misquotes, and that was one of their issues with the article. Y'all said it. <laughs> <laughs> they said it. But I'm sure it was one of those things where it's like you're, a journalist is making you feel comfortable and you feel like you're just having like random candid conversation. But it's like, no, everything is off, everything is on the record, baby. If you don't want it on the record, you have to say that it's off of the record. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny um, because at first I was like, well, maybe they didn't say it, but now you're putting me in the frame of mind that they did. And now I'm thinking like one time they did this behind the scenes. Like, I guess they were at some place in the UK. I remember it was like someplace in the UK. And Cindy was like, Madonna performed here when she still had the gap. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I don't think she knew like the camera was recording it like somebody else. But I mean, they didn't take it out. So maybe they they can't throw shade a little bit every now and then. Right. But if they're saying they didn't say it, I want to believe that they didn't say it. And, and they're still doing it. Because you remember the, what was it? The, what was the podcast when they were doing the podcast uh, like last year, a year or two ago? And they were like, we don't want to talk about 
certain people, but like, you know, some some groups they just let themselves go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I, I was like, that. Oh God. I was like, damn. But you know, I think that like maybe it wasn't also people love to pit women against each other and like mm-hmm. celebrity and that kind of thing like they people want to hear a celebrity talk sh- shit about another celebrity etc so like maybe they maybe vibe with really heavy on the quotes about other people and less about the other interesting things and they felt it was uneven or something and vibe was known for that like i know um champ and josh are babies but like i was somebody who read vibe like all the time and i would keep up with what happened with vibe i remember the editors of danielle and email wilkerson or wilberkerson or whatever his name was but like mary j blige i think veronica webb did an article on mary and mary was like ready to fight veronica because she was like oh you know i was drinking but you were there drinking with me something like that like basically like mary's life is out of control and like she like so vibe was known for that so that's why i could see it both ways like i could see them being shady but i could also see vibe adding tins on it but what i did like was that they were woman enough I don't know why they didn't call Nana Cherry. Maybe because it's like Josh, they don't know her. <laughs> but uh, they called Whitney, they called Mariah, they called Jane. I was like, oh, you know, I would love to have heard that conversation with Whitney and with Mariah and with Janet. Because, you know, like there is something about, you know, when celebrities interact with each other. I know Janet was really cool with them. Don said she's been over Janet's house. But I always wanted, I know they met Whitney. I know they presented Best New Artist Mariah. But I would just, you know. Just for, I would love to see like pictures of them together and see how they would interact with each other. But they called them and apologized. I think it, as much as I love In Vogue, this article does kind of give me some, it, it kind of, you know, my antennas are going off because we all, we also talked, we also talked about um, the Luther and In Vogue feud. There is also, I know that there's a, there was like this thing where, um, uh, in Vogue had like a few with another girl group at the time um, that I can't remember who it was. But I honestly, I I would love to know what was In Vogue's reputation in the industry. Like what were what did their peers think of them? You know what I mean? I will, you know, because maybe maybe that plays a part in like why in vogue is because i do feel like in vogue is left out of a lot of things that i feel like they should be a part of but they never like for example you know um do y'all remember you that that um that performance it was it was beyonce mary j blige miley cyrus uh mariah carey Ooh, yeah stand up to cancer. cancer yeah like 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 stuff like that and granted i knew Ooh. i knew it was like all the it girls but it was also some legends up there too aretha franklin was up there etc etc you know shaka khan aretha was on there yeah aretha she was on, on the stand up, up to cancer Wait, uh, well, which one was she on? I, I'm probably getting them all like mixed up. Um, but I, you get Divas Live yeah, mixed up. Stand up to cancer head: Mariah, Mary, Beyonce, Miley, Rihanna. Um, and that was more the right. it girls at that late 2000s era. Yeah, but there, but there just are there are a lot of com- there are a lot of things that I feel like in Vogue should be a part of. But I, but you know, and granted, like. I don't, I don't know in Vogue outside of their pers- their group personas. Like I don't know them. I, I feel like we haven't really got it. Uh, I have, I don't really know them like I know you know 
Beyonce where she's like, I had a miscarriage, you know, there's a video of me online of my sister fighting my husband. You know, like it, you you know what I mean? Like like there there's some raw stuff that we we get from these celebrities now that I don't really feel I feel like the rawest we've gotten is like Cindy getting a divorce, you know, and she's sixty, you know, and then their and then their breakup and then of course Maxine calling them bitches on TMZ. Like, you know, but it but it's very it's it's not a lot of drama. So I all that to say, I was I'm curious as to how their peers felt about them at that time. You know what I mean? Like even though they even though they, you know, apologized to Mariah, what does Mariah what did Mariah think of them a year from then? You know, they apologized to Whitney and, you know, or is but is that the reason why they weren't on the way on the way to the Exhale soundtrack? You know, like like is is those things play That's a, part, a good question because you know, it's, so. it's always seemed like in Vogue is just kind in Vogue was even in their prime, it always seemed like they were just kind of on an island by themselves a little bit. Like it, you know, like they didn't collaborate with a lot of people. They didn't, you know, like we were just, you know, talking about how, why would you go on tour with Luther and not do a song with him? Um, and the only collaboration they did was with salt and pepper. And, and it's like, how are you the hottest group in the, in the game? And, you know, you're not yeah. seeing kind of rubbing elbows and being, you know, in the mix with the other people that are, you know, at the at the top with you. Like when we're talking about EV3, I couldn't, I didn't have time to say like, how do you not do a song right, with Missy and you're on the same right, label? Right. Like certain things, just like there was somebody kind of blocking them from doing things like, oh, you're overexposed, don't do this. Over it. Yeah. So why why yeah. did they have a cameo in the in the uh, Ladies Night video? Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like stuff like and that. And that video I'm had like, people from all the record labels, all every, it everyone. Everybody. It kind of comes off and maybe this is what wrote Luther the wrong way to me as we talk about it, it kind of comes off like they were like we're better than y'all a bit you know what i'm saying like it, it kind of gives that vibe of like we're here even though we don't have the money we don't have you know all the other things but we're here we're up here and y'all are down there even though you know we haven't been around as long as y'all we haven't sold the record so we haven't we don't have the coin but our people are kind of putting us on this pedestal that we are above y'all and we're looking down on y'all. That's kind of the vibe that it's it's giving. But then still, like, I, if that was the vibe, though, I don't... Like, he did take it too far to me as, um, like, pregnant woman... Like, I don't play when it comes to that. So you calling the police on, on her and all, you know, wanting her to do all this stuff, go around the venue because she can't come in through a certain way yeah. when she's pregnant. Like, oh, yeah. um, bitch it, it up a it, little bit, It Luther. definitely was a tit for tat that it was like, okay, this is stupid, you know? So, yeah. But I so, mean, and, I mean and, and, and just to be clear to the listeners and everybody, it's like, I'm not trying to, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to, like, you know, uh, create this narrative that you know, oh, the girls are are bees and that people don't like them. I'm a, I'm just kind of like you know, sometimes people c- can catch you on a day where they interpret your energy wrong. They interpret you know your how you uh, answer questions wrong, or even you know if they're saying they were misquoted in this vibe article, you know, or on the opposite yeah hand I'm, side like like. I'm sorry, I just catch you up. No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, is I mean, 
something can be you probably saying it's misquoted maybe it was like misinterpreted like how about you know maybe you were saying made a comment in jest but then it was written as if you were like trying to throw shade like that's how things can be misinterpreted. but you to be honest I, mean? I don't even think it was that to me it to me invoke always comes off as they do what they're told they follow their management I don't even think it was them so much to me it comes off as like whoever was handling them their management to me it comes off like their management and their label intentionally kind of kept them separated and and kind of put them on this type of pedestal to keep them away from everyone. I don't even think it was them as individuals because, I mean, we've seen like, you know, they have close bonds with certain people like Terry with Holly Robinson and, and all of that. So I don't even think it was so much of them being misquoted or whatever. I think a lot of times when you're when you're at a certain level, you have handlers and people who keep you away from, you know, certain things, you know, and, and a lot of that is so that they can control you. Because if you're hobnobbing with other people in the industry who can tell you, girl, you don't need to do that. Oh, girl, you need to call so-and-so, you know, like if you're around people who can give you um, knowledge, you know, they don't, your handlers don't really want that because that's, that's going to impact their pockets at the end of the day. If they can keep you secluded from the people who are giving you the real deal, then, you know, yeah. they win. They continue to, to yeah. milk you. And they and they could be, and they could be, and I'm going to say this so we, we can move on because I know it's getting late. But um, I'm going to say it, a lot of times management, your team, they can misrepresent you because they think that they're fighting for you. And it's like, no, you can be assertive, but don't say it this way because then it might it might seem like I come off as like, oh, for example, it's kind of like, oh, well, um, Terry Robinson, she only drinks Fiji water. You know what I mean? It's like there, she probably does only drink Fiji because it's like it tastes different. You know what I mean? And she's like, is there a Fiji? Can I just get some Fiji? You know? And it can be the most sweetest thing. But if you're, but if your team says. Terry needs Fiji water in her room. That's all she drinks. Somebody could be like, oh, you know what I mean? It's just like how you present it. So, it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, management, their, their, their tour team or whoever it is, like maybe they misrepresented them in certain kind of ways when it came to like talking about contracts or I don't know. I'm just theorizing. All of that. I'm just con- all of I'm that. theorizing, but who knows? But, you know. Let, let's move on. We can continue for for a little for another hour at, at that point. <laughs> on to our newest segment, which is us talking about some of the rare and unreleased and B side tracks uh, coming from In Vogue. So this episode, we're going to talk about "It's On." "It's On" was recorded as a track for Masterpiece Theater, and it was written and produced by Denzel Foster and Thomas McElroy. And its uh, inclusion was on. On a sampler for a masterpiece theater release in advance of the album's uh, actual release. Um, however, due to uncleared sampling, the song was excluded from the album.
what do you all think about this track? I thought it was, I mean, it was fine. I mean, you know. I didn't like it. It's just, to me, um, and I didn't listen to it recently, but I remember when I did hear it, uh, it's another one of, I feel like everybody sings the lead. It's disjointed and it just doesn't keep up with what was out in 2000. And, you know, my mind goes to so many different places when I'm thinking about, you know, music and what was out, like trying to remember what was out at that time. But I just know in 2000, producers were like the gods. It wasn't the artists anymore. It was like, who are you working with? Like, what producers are you working with? It was for the Pharrells, not the Pharrells, I'm sorry, the Neptunes. Like, producers were a big thing. So production was huge. I think that song, that song sounds, it sounds more in line with what was what. I mean, it's <laughs> the lyrics is, you know, we keeps it hot. <laughs> Can you imagine that vote saying that keeps out? That is funny. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it sounds okay. It's it's another one of those songs with a little guitar type of, you know, funky guitar type of thing. I mean, it's all right. It, it probably sounds more commercial than anything else that would be that would have been on Masterpiece Theater. But I don't think it wasn't going to be anything that was going to like shift, you know, the the atmosphere for them. Yeah, it definitely did not give 2000 at all. It, it, it gave more, you know, mid-90s, I would say. So now we're going to head to our submitted letter for the episode. And this one comes from Romello. Um, <laughs> Romello says, hey, y'all, it's your boy Romello with Invokes, The Gift of Christmas, turning 20 this year. Should they re-release it or maybe even re-record it with Rona doing Amanda's parts? I mean, she already did that on Soul Flower, and we have yet to hear the original version with Amanda on it, just like we have yet to hear the original EV3 album with Dawn. Also, with both the good and bad moments that's happened within the group uh, during the past decade thus far, could you foresee Invoke ever being a quartet or even a quintet again? Personally, I could see Max amicably returning to the fold down the road and having them become EV4 2.0 again, a la 2006 to 2008 era. That would be cool as that's my as that's my favorite EV4 configuration. I mean, a supporter. I feel like they need something. So, yes, I hope Maxine comes back. Um, as far as the gift of Christmas, um, I don't think it needs to be released. It was not something that should be released. Um, but they could do a new Christmas album. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think that's worth doing again. What Christmas song? I mean, even though nothing's going to top Silent Night. Featuring Maxine Jones, but you know, because it's the sound of the ugly. <laughs> I just want to hold you close, my dear. But, like, what question? <laughs> yeah, that was Don rapping. That was Don rapping, right? <laughs> but, like, is there any Christmas song that you want specifically to hear them do like covers? Because I don't like new new Christmas songs. I want to hear the the way cover, they All I want for Christmas is you. Ah, oh, by Mariah. I could hear I could hear a Cindy singing that. I'm actually an advocate for like new Christmas songs. I know they don't hit the same, but I feel like they do kind of find their lane. So I will be here for like a you know like you know how Mariah Carey did her new Christmas special and she did that song with you know or 
Ariana and Jennifer Hudson. Like, obviously, that song will never top All I Want for Christmas is You, but it's a cute song. Even Kelly Rowland's Christmas song uh, is really cute. And it kind of like, you know, it's a cute song. So I would be here for like some some new um, Christmas music as long as it's up-tempo. Not a ballad, not a slow song, but I will, I'll be here for that. And obviously, you know, I'm always here for Rona being on more projects. You Have know, you heard Rona's version of Come All Ye Faithful? I love that. It's on the Mickey Mouse Club Christmas that was released, I think, in 2000. She is killing that song. Oh, no, I haven't heard I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, if it's not online, I'll maybe try to rip it and upload it. But it's she is... Ooh, I love it. Come and behold him. I want to hear them do... Um, I like Christmas music, but I like sort of older Christmas music. Like, I like... Like, they could do, like, the emotions. What would mm. they only do at Christmas? They could do, um, like, Purple Snowflakes by Marvin Gaye. Like, some just, like, really sort of, like, atypical yes. sort of Christmas songs. That would be kind of cool to me. I don't want to hear Silent Night for the 55th time or, like... It's just... The, uh, that's... It never really... It doesn't hit like it used to when people released... Christmas project like albums and promoted them and did the things people just throw Christmas right. music at the wall. I would now. also be here for like um, collaborations. Like I would love for them if there's going to be a Christmas album, do some collaborations and not just collaboration with singers, but maybe with with musical directors that could probably like take some some older songs and and, and give it like a new flair. You you know. Uh, I, I sing in a group called Jason McGee and the Choir in Vogue. If y'all do a Christmas album, we want to see in background. Thank you. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would totally want to see that configuration of EV4 just to hit the second part of the question. Because, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, I think my heart kind of fluttered a little bit when I saw what looked like an olive branch extended or there was, you know, the whole, the, whatever the HRC moment that Maxine had was in the video that was shared. It just felt like a nice, like, I was like, oh, maybe there is a door open where that can happen again. Cause I think that would be a fun mm-hmm. configuration. Oh, I would love for them to do Mary. Did you know? Oh, gospel. I would like that too. That would be great. They did Mary. Did you know? Um, and also, uh, Romello, I am an advocate for the Invoke Quintet, but that is just my own fantasy. I'm not. I don't want the Quintet. The Quartet, but Maxine has to release her solo record. Like, you can't do all of that and then not actually come out with something. So, Maxine, please finish that solo record, release that, and then, you know, if your heart is in a good place... Then you know I would well, say. Well, tell but, BT to do a, a a a movie special the way they did the new edition. Do like a do like a three three four part movie series with In Vogue, okay? But the That's difference cause is, that more is drama. that the men know how to get the bag at the end of the day. They know how to put that bull BS to the side, yes, and get to it. Because New Edition has had worse drama than In Vogue. They've had fist fights. And what I appreciate about New Edition, though, as we wrap up, what they did do, though, 
is there was drama about who owned the name. I think only three of them maybe had the name, but this last go around before they were able to go back on tour and do all of that, they all now own the name. And they made sure that, you know, because I don't think there's a way that you can do it and expect everyone to come on board and like, you know, have the same passion and love for the brand if they're not all equal contributors of the brand. And so they ended up making sure that all six members, you know, their names are on it. And I think that's the type of olive branch that kind of makes people kind of go into a situation with a different heart. So... At any rate, I hope I hope we do get that. What is it? Quartet? Four? I could do without it, but it would be nice to I have. I just think vocally, they need something, child. I've, on the mass Singer, they were killing it. I don't care yeah, you know, vocally. You know like, they had some, some extra the people in them backgrounds. But no, um, on the, the when they had the mask on, but when they did that, when they were unmasked, there was no pre-recorded vocals. You could hear all the parts and it even sounded like there was a fourth, but that was like the voices kind of bouncing off each other. That was brilliant. That when Rona did that, me and they, that me, Oh my God, that's one of the best vocal performances. I would say all throughout the years that those harmonies were impeccable on, I said little prayer. So I don't know why people are keep trying, <laughs> but anyway, so, <laughs> you can stream part of us on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, YouTube, and most other podcasting apps. For more Invogue related content, find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Invogue Craze and on Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. If you have ideas, interview requests, comments, or questions, email them to us at partofusevf at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. Thank you to the co-host for joining this episode. Um, if you could just let folks know where they can find you on the internet. Everybody loves JP at Twitter and Instagram. Your little dog too on YouTube. And you can find me at Josh Jinx on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time. Bye. 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 This episode of Part of Us at Invoke Fancast was researched, written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Productions. The intro and outro music was produced by Wolves and Vincent Tone. We're more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on Invoke and chat with other fans by visiting Invoke Craze on Facebook. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Invoke Craze and Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. Part of Us and Invoke Fancast is not endorsed by Invoke, E1 Music, or Invoke Records, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Invoke and its names, images, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders.
Go to, go to edit. Yeah. JP done deleted the photo from the from the thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. So edit, then undo, and keep clicking undo. I was, I was like, did I do that? Like, Lord. Uh, but we also got to talk about how they being... Oop, you deleted it again, child. No, I just... Did. Hold on. There it goes. <laughs>